0: Welcome to another episode of the Unapologist Podcast. Today we have, of course, the oracle of wisdom himself, Christopher Polson.
1: <laughs> if I'm the and oracle, not- you're my crystal ball.
0: Too generous, Chris, too generous. <laughs> but we all know that over here on this end is nothing more than the captain of all fools, Vito McKenzie.
1: How
0: are you doing tonight, Chris?
1: I am doing, uh, I, you know what, all things considered, I'm doing pretty good. Uh as good as can be, I guess you can say.
0: <laughs> I think at this point, and when we're recording this, the end of September, beginning of the year, that's the best we can we can have. Yeah, but but hey, you know it's getting better because today we're talking about uh, goal setting and mental health, and we got someone amazing to talk to us about that and guide us in the ways. We have Brandon Lumley with us, and Chris. Why don't you tell us more about Brandon? I
1: met Brandon a number of years ago. I had I was a, a veteran teacher at my school. And uh, all of a sudden, we had quite a, few, uh, quite a few vacancies for teaching positions open. And in come all the teachers from my alma mater who had graduated a couple of years after me. Uh, and one of them was uh, Mr. Brandon Lumley. And right away, I, I kind of clicked with, with Brandon because he was somebody who, um, throughout the time I've known him as a teacher, He has maintained like the same professional, um, the same professional nomenclature, and the the same commitment to uh, to to standards and 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 improvement that you see usually from like first year teachers who come in and they know all the words and stuff. And I've always just is it's a it's a gentleman who I've always really respected that he's always kind of like cutting edge, Uh, and and like you said, he's here to talk to us today about goal setting and mental health, uh, which are some things that uh, I know that he 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 does both in his classroom, but also in his personal life. So welcome to the show, Brandon.
2: Hey guys, how's it going?
1: Going as good as possible. <laughs> as good as can be. You, as you know good as possible. Uh, so why don't we just jump right into it, Vito?
0: Yeah, let's do it. So Brandon, tell us your story. Like, uh, Who are you? What led you to teaching and where you are today and kind of on the path of uh, why you're talking to us about what you're talking about?
2: yeah um so i'm probably one of the very few fortunate people who knew what i wanted to be when i grew up very early on in life um i don't know why i was drawn to the teaching profession i suspect it had to do with being sort of the hub of the neighborhood where all the kind of younger kids i and i would congregate and organize baseball and manhunt games or just go get lost in the woods kind of thing right and uh Pretending we're the pioneers of our kind of neck of the woods. So it's always felt like a big brother figure to that respect, I suppose. Um, That and having an aptitude for relating concepts to people in modes and fashions suitable to their understandings, I think, has always just come natural. So it just seemed like the logical profession to pursue.
0: Okay, that's that. That's pretty neat. So you just natural inclination towards w- this career right off the bat, and you're like, "No, I got this. I'm good." That that's pretty amazing. So, uh, w- with the topic we're talking about today, with uh, mental health and goal setting, where did you first find that you needed to kind of tr- um, trek down that path?
2: Honestly, uh, probably started with a really bad breakup back in the day. <laughs> One of those ones that for you to reevaluate.
0: Yes, yes, yes. That relationship. Uh,
1: what what do we call that when we're doing our Bachelor of Education's a text to world connection?
2: <laughs> um, kind of a situation where I, I, I guess I had to admit that in certain ways I was not the best partner in what I would have wanted to be a great partnership, which obviously did not pan out. So I had to step back and take a real good look at. The things I was doing or wasn't doing that were not only detriments to my own character and integrity, but to the relationship in itself. Um, the relationship having been terminated, it became a relationship with myself and figuring out like, how do I improve this relationship um in such a way that it will complement other relationships I have with others, right? So you know, I did I did something that's really hard for a lot of people to do. I admitted that there were character flaws. That
0: okay, was- right then, right there. I'm going to stop you right there. Ladies and gentlemen, if you're listening to this, you are probably in that 90% that will, will not admit to that. that. That character flaws is tough. And I don't mean to call you out, but that that it requires a huge level of insight and uh, maturity to, to come to and self-reflection. And uh, usually you need someone else to call that out in you, right? So that that's yeah. pretty amazing,
2: yeah, so um, I actually kind of scrambled like I was this was of course at like ground zero of the deterioration of the relationship, so kind of panicking and stuff like that. so I reached out to a bunch of different counselors and psychologists and at the time I was in university, so I couldn't afford two hundred dollars an hour, um, not repeatedly, anyhow, so I reached out to school services and ended up getting to sit down with some people who introduce me to the concept of tools, you know, figuratively speaking, because I do dabble in construction. So I know <laughs> how to use <do> tools. <laughs>
0: um,
2: but uh, and make you realize the coping mechanisms that you do when you don't realize the inner turmoils that are spinning within you, like, uh, you know, like a storm that's brewing and you don't even realize it. And every now and then you lash out like little lightning strikes. So, I don't call it maybe anger for whatever reason, everybody manifests their turmoils a little bit differently. Um, So I had to really recognize how mine were manifesting in the relationship itself in my own inner dialogue and kind of had to reinvent myself.
1: So So. that's, that's tough. That's tough. That's a, and you're saying this is kind of happening when you're in your undergraduate Yeah, I think I was... that's That's a really tough time to have to go through that sort of a process when you're already in the process of finding yourself and then all of a sudden it's like, wait, huge roadblock. I've been spending this time figuring out who I am and now all of a sudden I have to do it all over again.
2: Yeah, and being in an undergraduate program at the beginning of second year, you're buying your textbooks, you're learning your profs' names, you're trying to find your way through the labyrinth of hallways that is your new campus or whatever it may be. Um, So it just seems like all the straws were adding up and this camel's back was starting to buckle. So I had to do another hard decision and I had to prioritize that journey of finding myself, which meant, you know, eliminating some courses and going from full-time to part-time. So, that being said, I did that for a number of years because this is an ongoing life journey. Once you take those first steps, it's like that horizon just keeps getting a little bit further. But that's good in the sense that you do keep growing. It's it's lifelong, right?
0: So at this point, you weren't too worried about rushing through your undergrad then because that, that prospect right there of spending more time to finish up would actually get people really worried, like, "Oh, I need to finish in what the next three, four years." But
1: or, or if you don't do it in four years, uh you know, the the whole life plan is off kilter.
2: Yeah, exactly. So I was kind of like, "Well, you know what? Once you have the credits under your belt, it's not like they expire." Yeah, you know, like build on those credits. So I don't know. It's I would wonder- changing
1: the narrative of the post secondary journey
2: yeah. So essentially, uh, yeah, three year BA took five. But I think I'm better for it. Uh, I graduated a couple years older than some of my compatriots, right? Um, Mm. Some regards being able to, I don't know, counsel them guide them in whatever capacities they would approach me for certain kind of, you know, morale to impart and stuff like that. So so once again,
1: you're finding yourself in that big brother teacher role, you know, even in your undergraduate because of the choices you've made and, and and the reevaluation. So it seems as though it's, it's almost mirroring what you were talking about, how you decided you thought you knew you might want to be a teacher. It starts to show itself up again when you start to reevaluate who this Brandon Lundley character is. Yeah. And so just, that's, that's really interesting to me.
2: Thanks. Um, Part of that was also sharing like knowledge I had just learned or just discovered or tools I was now grappling with. And then, you know, you, we're, we're social beings. And one of the ways we relate to each other is we share stories, right? I love narratives. That's what we're doing right. This very moment. Mm. Um, That's the best way to create bonds.
0: It's preaching to the choir. This is what we do over here.
2: You love it. it civilizations that didn't even have the written word well why was that because everything was an oral tradition everything from handing down you know uh, communal roles within the society to imparting knowledge or wisdom about geological formations or skill sets of survival so you find yourself hearing someone else's story and you're you're listening intently like actually listening not listening to respond then you do get that opportunity where you're like hey that mirrors my path our paths just intersected on that little piece of knowledge and i happen to have something that i can impart to you that will make yours perhaps a little bit easier than mine was
0: well i think we just solved teaching right there yeah (laughs) we're good now we can end it but uh and this was the final episode of the (laughs) (laughs) unpopular No, thank you for sharing that. I think we have to acknowledge our the the tradition of narrative and storytelling, and I, I love how you really elucidated how it worked. Um, so, given this path, can you give us your insights into the relationship you create in the classroom with getting your students on on board with uh, their own mental health?
2: Oh, for sure. Um, so, I'm not candid in any regards when I tell my story. I mean, there's certain personal details I leave out, but a couple of years ago. Um, there was some family things going on in my world. The summer wasn't the best summer I'd ever had. And, uh, once again, I was in a, a relationship that wasn't working out. Um, and I was doing everything I had learned to do, you know, I was looking at myself. I was looking at my partner and, um, I'm not saying I didn't do anything wrong in my relationship, but whatever, for whatever reasons, it was quite toxic. and I had to make the decision to leave the relationship um, for the sake of that person to begin. But all of that, once again, was happening kind of at the start of the year. And I was going to staff meetings and I was blanking out on what had been discussed at the staff meeting. I missed an IEP meeting, which is like not a good thing when you're a teacher. So I had to approach my principal and say, hey, you know what? My cup, it's nowhere near half full and I'm not doing you any good or the students any good. I need to take some time for myself. So once again, I had to prioritize myself and thankfully uh, Mr. Polson and I are in a profession that prioritizes mental health and there are structures in place and thank God they are because not everybody has the opportunities we have to, you know, take that uh, leave of absence and do what needs to be done. So Once again, I was just kind of going through the motions of, like, okay, what are things that I need to let go of? What are things I need to seize control of and what are ways that I can restabilize this equilibrium that seems to be off? Um, So I tell students that story and I let them know, like, you know, it's a hard thing to do to recognize when you need to do that, but you need to pay attention to subtleties in your daily routines, things that start to slide. And then I actually choose content that kind of matches the subject matter.
0: So what do you mean by that? You choose content that matches subject matter. What does that look like?
2: Well, last year for the first time, I was able to teach grade 12 English. And as an English teacher, you pretty much have free reign. You can do just about any content you want so long as it's, you know, coalesces with school district policies and stuff, obviously. <laughs> um, and our school happens to have a class set of Fight Club by Chuck Palahniuk. Great film, so,
0: Oh, fantastic.
2: Well, so I started thinking about it. And spoiler alert for anybody who hasn't watched the movie.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So he knows if you haven't read the book, if you haven't watched the movie, you haven't read the book.
2: (laughs) And you know what? I did that kind of as a solid for the students too, right? You know what? You don't want to read the book. There's a movie. It's really good. Go check it out. (laughs) (laughs) So the premise of it is my argument throughout the whole novel study was that the whole book is a snapshot of mental health on young men. Because what is the first rule about mental health? What's the stigma? We don't, don't talk,
1: talk, don't talk about, about it. it.
2: What's the second rule?
1: Don't talk about it.
2: Right? So I'm like, no, let's break those first two rules. Let's talk about this stuff.
1: You know? Okay, so so you're like yeah, in terms of the mental health component. So you're picking a resource that you can actually use as a as a platform to open a conversation about it. So what what I'm hearing is not only are you you know you're you're talking about you're talking about senior high school LA. Not only are you achieving curricular outcomes by having a piece of literature in which you can study, but you're also starting this, you're starting to normalize the conversation about mental health while still hitting curriculum. Absolutely. So you see, that's, that's, that's next level.
2: I was pretty stoked to be, to be allowed to do that, to be able to do that, to have the resources.
1: Well, I, I think that speaks to, uh, I, I think that really speaks to um, uh, administration. And I've said this a lot on the podcast, um, but uh more often than not they want to support you and that's that's really amazing that you had an administrator who was like knew what you were up to and was on board with it that's that's really amazing
2: yeah i am very fortunate to have a really cool administrator who first and foremost i consider as a friend and a colleague and probably third in that would be as a boss
0: And just to be able to trust you as well and say, yeah, go ahead, Mr. Lundley, you run with it. Uh, That's, that, that's amazing. Like I love that connection there. And I I don't want
1: to, I don't want to take us off off topic, but um, could you talk just very, very briefly um, something like that has to require some meticulous planning. And could you just give us maybe like 30 seconds on what that looks like? Because to me, like, especially a novel like that, Like that's got some heavy content in it. So there's got to be, could you just give us like the, the 10 second tour of like how you even bridge the, 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 the lesson plan to the, to the classroom, especially with young people.
2: Yeah, for sure. So uh, for example, one particular assignment was, or a recurring assignment was a fact checking situation. Okay. So I had a criteria, you got to keep the standards going, Right and whenever we encountered something that had to do with mental health in the book i was like okay if you don't know what that is time to go fact check it time to go check it out and we just kept doing that because also repetition you know
1: pedagogy mm-hmm. um, and so you're getting a you're getting a snapshot of okay this is fiction this is fiction based in reality and this is this is this is really something
2: yeah and um so one of those particular assignments was about going to um i think we used bell let's talk oh yeah yeah
0: absolutely yeah yeah.
2: and i basically made them do kind of like a website uh scavenger hunt where i made them look for certain things in the tabs and the menus and certain definitions and you know what's the number that you can call and like i made that the assignment um just to kind of get them familiar with the site and just sort of kind of like, you know, low key, like, hey, if you have issues, <laughs> here's the site to go to if you're not comfortable talking to yours truly, right? Smart. Um, yeah, so little stuff like that, right? And for the most part, unfortunately, we didn't get to finish the course with <clears throat> in class training because COVID hit. So it all turned into distance education. But for the most part, uh, the reception was pretty good and everyone was on board. There's was 100% Brian, I'd say.
1: That's 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 amazing. When your coalition of the willing is 100%, you've done something right.
0: Yeah, I, I have yet to see it, so now I have. And like I said, Chris, I think uh, this is the final episode of the Anabondi's <laughs> <Yeah>. Podcast. <laughs> so, yeah.
1: But Mr. Lumley, I knew you were good, but you're shutting us down. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Now, uh, we also want to go on the other side because we also brought you on uh, for goal setting as well. Can you like uh, tell us a little bit about that too? Yeah. Or is it directly related related to the mental health?
2: Um, I can go either way with it, really. Um, Goal setting itself, from a psychological standpoint, has been proven to uh, what's the language they would use as a psychologist? Well, Jordan Peterson, for example, he talks about having purpose and having meaning and how having purpose and having meaning are motivating factors in and of themselves. So if you set a goal, you now have purpose and meeting, whether it's a goal for the end of the week, whether it's a goal for the day, whether it's a two year plan, anything of that nature, um, it's automatically going to manifest other steps, other procedures and protocols that you're going to have to t- stop and take a minute and consider. And the best part about that is, In completing one goal, another one almost automatically sets itself up before you. So the goals themselves become stepping stones to other goals and just becomes a cyclical nature. And if you practice goal setting and executing realistic ones, then it becomes second nature.
0: So are you talking about smart goals there?
2: Smart goals. um, well, like realistic ones, right? Like you want to be more productive in the day, but you still want to sleep in. Well, that's not really realistic. Mm-hmm. You know, it's also not realistic to be like, I get up at eight o'clock every day. Tomorrow I'm going to get up at six. Yeah. Your body's hardwired for getting up at eight. Why don't you try getting up at seven thirty? Why don't you make that your goal for the week?
0: Yeah. And, and that's what I meant by the smart. It's the acronyms, uh, like specific, measurable, attainable, yeah, realistic. It. Yeah. Like th- that whole thing.
2: You bet. Yeah, so I tell my students, you know, set little goals like that. Um, Often I'll ask, you know, who here has a job? Bunch of hands go up. Cool. What do you make an hour? What do you make an hour? What do you make an hour? Write those dollar values on the board. All right. Uh, How many hours a day do you spend just looking at your phone scrolling or whatever you teenagers do these days? Because I'm clearly... (laughs) (laughs)
0: touch <laughs> <laughs> we all are at this point
1: i never uh, thought it would happen but it curious. did it, it happened to us i know so so what i would say, i, I sort of oh, yeah, catch you know, up but what i really like is that you build the like so this is not something that is um you don't have like the goal setting component to the assignment or to the to the class this is something that is uh it, it, it's it's embedded. This is something that's part of the the, the script that is Mr. Lumley's class.
2: Oh yeah, i miyagi them. Like oh, they nice. learn it, realizing they're learning it. You know, by the end of the period, they're like, "You didn't teach me karate. and I'm like, "Oh yeah, did you paint a fence? Did you whack on, <laughs> off? Like, yeah, wait, yeah, you did teach me that."
0: Can yeah, can can you, can you go back to the uh, the lesson you were talking about? though, the um, the dollar amount with the job you're making and how long you spend on your phone?
2: So I'm in a particular community where, I don't know, I struggle with it because it's it's somewhat frustrating, but at the same time, I appreciate the work ethic of students who will skip school to go to work. And I'm like, okay, well, you're prioritizing your minimum wage over your education and your education in many instances can get you beyond that minimum wage. However, this is also a very trades-heavy town. So there's a lot of students who graduate grade 12 with not the best literacy skills, and then they go weld on the pipeline and double my salary in their first year. So reaching to them in terms of like, what do you make an hour, and how many hours do you essentially waste in a day, and I get them to be honest with themselves, then I get them to do the math. You know, you make 15 bucks an hour, you spend four hours on your phone, that's sixty dollars a day. Do the math, extrapolate that, and then whatever figure you end up with on the board, sometimes it's like fifteen thousand dollars. I'll go over to that student. And I'll be like, "How would you like it if I handed you fifteen thousand dollars right now?" And usually they're like, "Yeah, that'd be cool." I'll
0: take that. <laughs>
2: <laughs> so it just it grounds it, right? It makes it real for them, and you can literally see like the wheels start to turn a little bit faster. Well, not literally, but you can you can tell that they're starting to think about it.
0: So it, it's really grounding for them. And uh, what are some of the supports then that? You, you use in the classroom because you're talking about this, you're embedding it in the curriculum, uh, you're talking about goal setting. So I'm assuming that through all of this, students are probably going to be opening up to you and saying, okay, Mr. Lumley, we're talking about this. I think I, I need some help. Like how often does that happen? And what supports do you put in place for that?
2: So obviously that would be a contextual question. Um, and just quickly on the opening up part, every other week I do speaking circles in my class where it's not an obligation to speak but you can if you want and you can talk for as little or as much as you want and i find that i've had teachers tell me before oh you have so and so in your class yeah they'll never speak in your speaking circle and then like long behold halfway through the semester guess who's got something to say at least every other time it's their turn so the classroom culture is really important to building that relationship where a student is comfortable opening up and asking for support or guidance. Um, And then going back to the contextual piece, it totally depends on what what guidance that student needs and what supports are available. So, for example, I caught a student in the hallway today, at the end of the day, flags me down. Hey, Mr. Lumley, how's it going? I'm like, Oh, hey, buddy, what's up? Oh, you know, doing um, language arts 10 for the third time like what's out in here man what's going on <laughs> uh oh, oh i'm like well would you be graduating this year i don't know well how many credits <laughs> do you need i don't know <laughs> like, do you have a job <laughs> no i'm trying to get one so i said well you know the first step is to hopefully be starting off this semester better than you have in previous years. Cause even when I taught him, it was questionable <laughs> the start of the year for him. <laughs> like, yeah, no, I'm doing good. I'm doing good. I'm like, that's good because when you do get a job, cause you will get a job, there's work out there. Just keep plugging away, handing out resumes, you know, marketing yourself. Um, our school has a work experience program and I happen to be really good friends with my colleague who runs it. And he has like impeccable standards. So if a student's attendance is not almost immaculate, he won't even give them the paperwork to fill out the application.
1: Hey, he's looking out for his own reputation and the reputation of the school. You can't blame him. Yeah.
2: Well, if the benefit of the system you gotta play by the rules, right?
1: Mm-hmm.
2: So I said, you know, the first thing to do is to like get off on a good for you get a job you can go talk to my colleague about the work experience program because you can get credits for going to work and he's a pretty good guy so like he might even let you accrue hours throughout summer and holidays and stuff like that because it's still technically it's the work experience right and he was like oh yeah yeah that's really cool that's a good idea thanks Mr Blumney so for that particular student it was like getting a job was his goal advancing past language arts 10 was his goal so it was good to see that he was attending so, more regularly, and-,
1: and there seems to be a good a a, a component of self talk that's going on through this too. The, you're keeping a running record of how we're doing uh, as a teacher, how we're doing as a student, how we're doing as a student body. Um, it seems that self talk is 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 uh, is coming to the fore as something that's very important, both in terms of the. Uh, being aware of our own personal mental health and talking about it, but also in terms of that, that goal setting component too, where we are keeping a running record in our head of, of the things we need to accomplish.
2: Yeah, for sure. And um, in some regards, so going back to the idea of the school implementation um, and goal setting and, um, you know, systems that are in place, one of the easiest things I tell my students they can do is to find that work life balance or that school life balance. you know we were all teenagers at one point. we didn't want to go home and do hours of homework. I do more homework now as a teacher than
1: <laughs> absolutely
0: <laughs> absolutely yes now you you spoke about having the talking circles in your class what what other uh, tools do you do you use to to get students to buy in and open up and really Uh, take advantage of having you as their teacher really
2: um again i kind of miyagi them in a way uh i've done lessons where i'll put a prompt about perhaps a controversial topic where most people don't want to voice their opinion but then we'll brainstorm (laughs) fictional characters i've had everything or even real people uh we'll just put characters names or celebrities names on the board and then I get them to respond to the topic as if they were a certain person or certain character. So I've had Boba Fett um, talking about watching his father fall into a Sarlacc pit.
0: <laughs> right? Cool. Uh,
2: I've had students write about being Snoop Dogg and uh, being pro-legalization of marijuana and cannabis products. <laughs> so, and, then, and then again, the Miyagi part comes in at the end where I'm like, so i'm not sure if you're aware of this but raise your hand if because this is anonymous at this point i don't get them to put their names on these i hand them out and i tell them you know like if somebody wrote something inappropriate don't read it but otherwise i'd like to hear you read the one that you ended up holding on to because it's totally anonymous and they're more apt to read something that is someone else's words than they are to read their own so then by the end i say you know how many of you would admit that your opinion was embedded in the characterization responding to the prompt and most of the hands
1: go up
0: hmm
1: like, so well, you know a no, lot, lot of the people of who we've had on front. oh god don't let me don't let me wreck your words keep going no keep going so i'm just saying a lot of the people we have uh, have had on the show have had some sort of simulation component to their pedagogy and time and time again we hear about the success stories of removing the self from the student and letting them letting them take on the other persona they're they're more apt to to engage and talk when they get to put when they get to put on the mask of someone else or a different situation um and i find that's very interesting um and like you said, you know, more often than not, when it says, was there something about you embedded in that? Well, yeah, there was. Because in creating the simulation, you're allowing them to find themselves.
2: Yeah. No, it's it's one of my favorite lessons to do. I find it pretty empowering for them, too. Um, and, well, you, I think you, I don't know if, I think you said the word mask. But, like, in a, in a sense, we all kind of wear masks, right? And sometimes we hide behind them. And there's that separation of self in a lesson like that. And um, going back to resources, like, anytime I've learned something, if I if I have the resource where I learned it, I kind of promote it in a way, right?
0: Like,
2: mm-hmm. hey, sure. books, go read it.
0: Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. So what are, what are some, uh, would you say, like, the, big no-no's for a teacher to do in the classroom? Like what are some just practices that could actually be damaging towards uh, a student's mental health? And these might even be unconscious gestures or actions we do. Like we were not intending to do it, but it could really shut a student down. Um, can, can you speak to any of that? Like things we should be aware of that we might be doing that are damaging?
2: Yeah, for sure. I think the biggest thing I've seen in myself at times, not so much, on a regular basis anymore but definitely in colleagues is ego ego getting between that that student teacher relationship um where a student slights you in some way and you just feel that urge like i'm gonna get you back right (laughs) like it's on you want to be like that two can play at that game and that's your ego right like it they've done something that's wounded you they either thought your lesson was corny, they didn't see the point in the assignment, they're not respecting due dates or class start times or uh, hall pass procedures or things like that, and to take it personal, even on a subconscious level, and then to try and you know get even. I see that way too. Among colleagues and my colleagues who are like kind of my beer drinking buddies, my Mr. Pulses, um, <laughs> I have no problem putting them in check, just asking them outright. Because not not Pulson, perhaps, last week um, with the same colleague that runs the work experience program, a student missed a deadline and still handed in all the stuff. But he's so embedded in his standards. He's like, Nope, you missed the due date. So whatever. And I'm like, I'm like, okay, can I just ask you a question? And I'll leave his name anonymous. Um, And He's like, Yeah, sure. Go ahead. I was like, do you or do you not have the power now that you have the package for this student to register him in the program? Oh, yeah, for sure. Taking five minutes. I'm like, so you are not going to help the student, because they missed the deadline, for whatever reasons, which you may or may not you know, be aware of, especially given the way the last seven months have like panned out globally. I said, so can I ask you this? And I want you to be honest with me Is your ego at play right here. And he, without missing a beat was like, Oh, absolutely.
1: And I, like, well, I think too, you're that, you know, to me, that speaks a lot. You talk about taking things personally, that's got a way on the mental health of the teacher when every little thing is taken personally too. I really think that that's something that um, is a, is, is a, is a practice that from, from the infancy of our careers as teachers, we need to get over that bridge to the taking things personally, because it will, it'll, it'll grind you down.
2: Oh, it'll spoil that relationship and it'll totally sabotage your classroom culture
1: and And beyond that, I, I like what you said about like you know the 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 timing of things coming in, um because we forget that you know we give the assignment. and the curriculum objective that we are assessing is not ability to hand things in on certain days. we're we're We're, we're assessing other curriculum objectives. So absolutely, I believe in in consequences. But when we start to take things like that personally, I think I I agree with you that that becomes somewhat problematic uh, in terms of the mental health of ourselves and the people we're responsible for. I I think that's a that's a a, I think you're hitting the nail right on the head.
2: Well, absolutely. And I said to him at that point with that particular context, I was like, can you still impart the same message and lesson that you are trying to instill in this young individual while also helping them out through the program that you have the power to register them Well, yes, I could. So I just kind of looked him in the eyes like, well, then why aren't you? And it was just, it was kind of a surreal moment. Cause he and I were hunting buddies were beer drinking buddies, you know, like we tinker on things in the garage so we can be quite explicit with each other. And I, I I should follow up with him actually I'm curious I'm kind of invested <laughs> in the <this> narrative now
0: <laughs> So but, Dude, that you're, kid is- but you like you went straight on towards him but you had that rapport so you're probably saying you would probably would you still do that with somebody you didn't know as well like like that that could be frightening especially uh for any teacher I in would, their career to just call I someone out be like Yeah I
2: would so- for sure still I with just about any colleague, um, I'd just be maybe a little bit more diplomatic about it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> the,
1: the approach is important.
2: The approach is important. Yeah, I'll, I'll work for the same objective, but the execution might be different.
0: Okay, so uh, Mr. Lomeli, let's 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 run this out here. So you've been talking about some amazing things you're doing in the classroom, and and so me as a teacher, uh, like how can I go about like really building my own uh what one setting goals for myself, what kind of goals should i set and, and, and what how can I even start on this path towards uh bridging uh the the mental health of myself first before I can offer it to my students
1: beyond beyond yeah. the p g p right beyond the p g p yeah
2: um I think it starts with accountability, so Thinking of things that you are accountable for, the things that you should be accountable for, and the things that you are not being accountable for. Um, And that's within your own life. And part of our lives, let's be honest, is developing pedagogy. So, you know, you're also accountable for the kind of products that you get students to create, the products that you introduce to them. So in that case, finding content that demonstrates, you know, maybe a, a short story where you can question the integrity or the ethics of a character. I mean, we've all done novel studies like that. We've all read Catcher and the Rye, you know, books, coming-of-age books like this. They almost naturally do that kind of stuff. Um, but it does really begin with yourself. So in terms of in terms of ways to start one's journey got to look at things that maybe you want to change and then think of again those smart goals on how you can change them and hold yourself accountable to it you know you have to make a promise with yourself because if you make a promise with yourself and i'm going to quote some jim carrey here it's a coven
0: (laughs) right
2: (laughs) so you don't want to break a coven with yourself or bad things will happen so in a way you got to make promises to yourself and ask yourself if you're ready to fulfill those promises. And that answer better be yes, man.
1: I love it. I love it. And uh, Vito, do you know what time it is? Oh, I do. I do. It is everybody's favorite time in the show. Uh, It is time for the pulse and point takeaways. Um, We were so lucky tonight to be able to talk with Brandon Lumley and hear him talk about goal setting and mental health. Uh, I, I think you touched on some stuff that's both important and very real tonight. And uh, some of the takeaways that I got from from our discussion tonight is that sometimes you know, and if you know, drive towards it. We've had so many people say, like, I fell into teaching, or we had like we we had uh, we had Dr. Glenn Sharp on, and he was like, I didn't get into teaching, and it's like blowing mind. But sometimes you know, and when you do know, drive towards it, because if something seems right, guess what? It probably is. Hey, sometimes we can only grow when we realize our own flaws. Big takeaway there. Ask yourself what's in your tool belt. And if you need a new tool, figure out how to get that tool. Find resources Or repurpose. That, yeah, or repurpose what's already there. Find resources that go beyond the curriculum. Remember that good goals met lead to new goals found. Talk to yourself. You just might listen. Um, know what you're responsible for and what you're not responsible for. Um, and, and and really don't break promises to you. Um, but I think one of the biggest takeaways from Mr. Lumley tonight is uh, goal setting and mental health is a lifelong journey. And those are the and Point takeaways from Mr. Brandon Lumley tonight.
0: Brandon, thank you so much for for coming on and sharing with us, and allowing us to interrupt you multiple times because we, <laughs> just, but we were loving what you were saying. Like we just uh, really wanted to to hear more, and we would love to have you back to to really dive deep into some of the things you mentioned. Well, so I, we really appreciate you having uh, having you on here.
1: I, I'd I'd love yeah, to I mean, do a I'd whole really show return, on his uh, novel studies. <laughs> yeah,
2: I'll send you. 180
1: slide slideshow <laughs> there you go for the next time I teach LA <laughs> uh, that's uh, awesome uh, thank you so much for coming on the show
0: thank you thank you Brandon really appreciate it uh, I- and next week Chris we're going to be talking about working with students on the fringe and success through adversity so that that's uh, that's going to be one to listen to as well that's, that's going to be quite a fascinating topic to dive into And from all of us here, I just want to say thank you for joining us this week on the Unapologist Podcast. Join us next week when we'll talk with great people, learn new ideas, and tell the story of teaching as it happens. This is Vito and Chris signing off. The
1: Unapologist Podcast.